Hello, listeners. My name is Pietro, and welcome to another episode of the LSE Focal Point podcast. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Alex Liu. Alex is a managing partner and chairman at Carney. Alex joined Carney as partner in 1996 and rejoined in 2001. He has served as CEO of, of a technology startup and earlier as a partner with Boston Consulting Group, where he helped establish their Asian operations outside of Japan. He began his career in brand management at a subsidiary of Procter & Gamble. Alex earned an MBA from Harvard University and a BA in economics, magna cum laude, from Yale University. Alex, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Glad to be able to join you, Pietro. I'm very glad to have you with us here today, Alex. So uh, with nothing else to do, right? So I gave that introduction there, taken uh, very... Uh, I, I just took it from your from your bio on the website, right? And I was hoping if, with this first question, right, I'm going to ask you if you could tell us more about your career journey, but from your perspective, and really tell us how you got to where you are today. Well, thanks. It's great to be able to join you. Um, well, listen, I've been a management consultant for 35 years, you know, since graduating from business school. So I guess the question is, what you know, what's kept you there so long? But what I what I what I've done is um, really found a place where you can still be a coach and a student at the same time. <laughs> I grew up in a family of, of teachers. My father was a professor. My wife uh, was a special ed teacher. My children are teachers in some ways or coaches. And so, you know, consulting has always kind of inflamed my passion for being able to help companies, clients, and people reach their full potential. So I just fell in love with the industry, the profession coming out of business school. There was all this buzz about, cons I didn't even know what consulting was. I, as you mentioned, I came from a product management world, brand management, seemed like real business to me coming out of college. Mm -hmm. um, and it just seemed like uh, it was perfect. You know, I was getting paid to do stuff that I had paid to go pay tuition at business school, <laughs> solving okay. problems in teams. So then that's what I've done, you know, and you're always finding the next adventure, uh, started in Boston, I raised my hand to help build a practice in Asia during the 1990s when East Asia and China, China in particular were sort of being discovered and put on the map globally. Uh, found technology and telecoms as a sector that I really like to play in. Um, joined a startup during the last tech bust and boom <laughs> in the 2000s, and then came back to consulting and have been at Kearney for over 25 years. And and have, have been in this current role, managing partner and chairman, um, since uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. So that's where I am. How I got here. I really like the the beginning there with the with the inspiration from teaching originally. I actually got into my degree, which is management, because I was like volunteering at this local primary school, and I thought, oh, I like you know managing at this organizational level. I just happened to be in the context of a school, right? So uh, I mean, I see, I see the. The correlation there between consulting and education there but anyway back to you right i don't want to steal the spotlight right oh. i want to first of all comment on a career change point of yours right so uh that stint there where you joined this partner in 1996 and then rejoined in 2001 uh what drew you back was that the tech the tech bubble burst there or was it something different yeah, well, I originally joined Carney because of the focus at that time on tech and telecoms and the whole role of the internet to be. And that's what excited me about consulting in that sector at Carney at the time. We were probably the fastest growing consulting firm on the planet at that time. Um, and then the opportunity came to actually run a technology startup. 
again, it was an internet protocol company doing a lot of the things that you see come to fruition now. Mm. Uh, but, you know, 20 years too early or too late, I suppose. Time but time I, time even, time. Even, even when I left to join the startup, I said I was going to take a leave of absence because I, you know, I love consulting. I knew I was going to do something for the rest of my life, even if I made it really, really big. Uh, I'd still want to do something for the rest of my, you know, my career, things that turn me on work-wise. And so I, I didn't even leave consulting. I didn't even leave Carney. I was just rejoining after a leave of absence. And I had great learning on that, you know, that startup journey too. That's some great insight. And what have you found to be the most unique factor of Carney relative to other consultancies? Well, you know, I, one of the great pleasures I have is to talk with recruits and with clients about that very same topic. So it's not my perspective, but what I hear, you know, we are... I think we're known for a couple of things that are different. Uh, we're probably less known for one thing. So there's a little bit of, well, who is Carney? How are you different than XYZ, ABC? Um, I think from a client side, they like the fact that we are much more focused on the outcomes, delivering impact versus fancy frameworks, you know, strategic purity of, mm-hmm. a, of a thought, uh, much more practical, get it done. I think so that there's a lot of our work and our our uh, appeal is, is just being practical and translating sort of strategy strategy into to outcomes. And the second piece is, of course, the cultural, the people experience. I mean, we're, we're smaller. I think we're also viewed as more real and relatable, maybe a little bit less pretentious is the words I've mm. heard from clients, <laughs> you know, just a little bit less full of ourselves and just our, and just being ourselves more, more real and relatable, as I said. So that came through in some of the brand research we did four or five years ago when I first joined and that's kind of come through in the way we run ourselves and hopefully conduct ourselves even now. That's a great answer. And like just benchmarking that way culturally against the other consultancies is very interesting to hear. So now uh, commenting more about your day-to-day, right? So you've been in a variety of roles across different sectors. And I, I wanted to ask for the listeners, right? How have you found your day-to-day to change throughout you know, all these different roles and also through the levels of seniority and your day-to-day today, what does that look like and what does it involve? Well, one of the things I love about this profession is that every day, every week, every podcast is different. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I can just look at, there's no, there's no week that's exactly the same. Um, I mean, last week I was in India for our 25th anniversary as a, you know, starting the firm there, we met clients, staff, big celebration, of course. Before that, I was in Dubai speaking at the World Government Summit. Uh, I spoke at the cybersecurity conference in November in in Saudi, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We were hosting clients and topics at the World Economic Forum in January. That's in Davos. Uh, So just in the last few few months, you know, and of course, I lead a global firm. It's no surprise that I'll be globally everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that's different about my role right now, which is I'm responsible for a global operation. I have to be everywhere. And different different circumstances will take me there. So in a few months, we'll be I'll be in uh, Tokyo for our fiftieth anniversary in in Japan. Um, but more broadly, Pietro, I think you know I, I find that what excites me is that things are different, and you're always finding and learning new places, new clients, new topics, new teams. Um, but what I try to keep the same is a routine of you know, being fresh in the morning, always taking care of myself. Uh, I have a routine of jogging for 15 or 20 minutes every day, no matter if I'm coming in at 2 a.m. in Singapore 
or I'm waking up in the West Coast where I am right now at 6 a.m. in the morning. So there's there's some things you got to even though the world your schedule changes because of the the flux of business, got to keep some routines to for your mental health and your physical health. So I, you know, physical exercise, some time to myself, not over scheduling meetings. Those are some things I think some tips for having some endurance as as you deal with all the variety that consulting offers you. Absolutely. And speaking more to industry now, right? So uh, what are some major short and long-term changes that you've seen and are observing in the industries that you cover, right? Which I understand to be communications, media and technology, as well as consumer and retail. Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate to work in a whole number of sectors. Those ones that you mentioned are a particular passion to me, sort of transformation for clients resulting from technology and the changing consumer. Um, I would say that um, what's unique about consulting is that it's an index for change. It's an index for the change of business of change. Hmm. Uh, It's a hidden growth industry because of that. So there's always change. Um, and the sectors that I choose chose to uh, participate in most actively, the tech and telecom area, are ones which, of course, are at the forefront of that. You know, the speed at which communications are being taken, the, the quality and ubiquity and addressability of messages, the connectedness of countries and people and segments and social media, et cetera. And then, of course, all the platforms and applications that ride atop that kind of b- blindingly fast infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say... I, I picked a sector to focus in early in my career, maybe 25 years ago, um, that I knew was going to really change the way companies and countries adapt. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed that. It's it's kind of cool helping clients who are either service providers or technology developers, OEMs, service integrators, and then ultimately the B2B or the B2C customers on top of that, that, that need to adapt. Um, it's not about being the biggest clients or the best known clients or countries. It's the ones that succeed are those that are able to adapt. And so that's why consulting has changed. And these sectors that I focused on are all about change too. Mm -hmm. And bringing it back to you personally, right? So in the other question that you answered, you were speaking about, you know, maintaining yourself through good habits and, and so forth, right? And, you know, with other speakers in the past, I've also spoken about, you know, certain mindsets or ideas that they have. And I've asked them to, to explain it on the podcast. And for you personally, I found uh, that you're a fan of Ikigai, right? So would you mind enlightening me and the listeners on this idea? Well, sure. I mean, more broadly, I've been a proponent um, of this notion of joy at work. Uh-huh. Why would you settle for anything less? You're happy when you're born. You're happy when you go to school, your first job and you should not settle for anything less when you join a profession, whether you're entry level or whatever. And um, that that led to a uh, some article I've written, you know, HBR article on this topic. I've got four seasons of podcasts on this notion, speaking with co- colleagues like yourself, you know, journalists, academics, e- executives, Broadway producers, clients, and and. Uh, it's such a passionate topic for me. It's so human. It's so critical to leading a professional services firm. Um, but there's a human question that we all need to face, which is where do we belong? What is our purpose? Uh, one of my colleagues mentioned to me this ancient Japanese concept. It's not new. It's ikigai. Um, 
And if you Google it and you just look at the visual, it's very, very, um, very elegant as very simple. And it basically tells us, well, you know, there's four, four things that you really need to manage at the same time in your own head. And you have to make your own solution at the top. What is it that you're passionate about versus what you can be paid for? Then there's also what is the world need versus what you're good at? And the problem I see with many, many people, young and old, is that they focus on one dimension. How am I getting paid? Am I really doing something for the world? Uh, and, and the key is to actually find the right balance between all four of those dimensions so that you don't feel underappreciated or undermotivated. So to me, Ikigai is a great framework for your own self-diagnosis. You know, are you, are you where you belong? Are you doing what will, uh, you know, make you feel that time stands still? And then are you finding a profession or a company that has that institutional purpose too? And you can marry the two together and then you are, you know, time stands still. You know, it's not a job. It's it's where mm. you belong. Absolutely. And what has been your biggest uh, learning during your career, aside from what we've just discussed, which your colleague told you that time ago? Yeah, I remember getting interviewed uh, at CNBC on this very same topic, but I had five lessons. And the first one was, of course, making joy a priority. It's a, there's a human case for it. There's a business case for it. There's a leadership case for it. Number two, find your own purpose, right? Find your own ikigai. You got to run your own race. Being yourself should be good enough. And finding your own individual purpose is, is very important. Don't follow someone else's purpose. Run your own race. Number three is uh, be a constant student, right? You can't be, a, certainly can't be a great consultant if you're not a good student. You probably can't be a good human if you're not looking at, you know, looking at new things. Number four is, uh, I guess it's self and situational awareness. It's what I call emotional intelligence, EQ versus IQ. This is what stumbles a lot of people. It's not being the most technically proficient, excellent academics, smartest person, biggest grades, uh, most competent technically. It's it's the people side. It's understanding what makes other people tick. It's having empathy. I think that's something that people should really focus on, the EQ versus the IQ. And number five, you know, always stay grounded and humble. You know, be, you know, don't be too full of yourself, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is a thing I talked about at yeah. the beginning. Whether you're a individual or whether you're a consulting firm for that matter and to to finish off do you have any advice that you would give to the undergraduates of today so you, i know we've spoken a lot about advice and so forth that was more targeted at the general population what i'm asking here as most of our listeners are either current students or maybe recent graduates right is advice for them so what advice would you give to them if they're either unsure of what they want to do in the future or are potentially looking to break into consulting just like yourself well, I think everyone has to run their own race, as I said before. Um, what I found is sometimes many people who don't know what they want to do just follow the crowd. Oh, I'm going to apply to this industry or this company just because everyone else is. I'm going to you know, invest in crypto because <laughs> everyone's doing it. So I, I think there's just sort of being yourself and just trusting your own judgment, be willing to make mistakes. Obviously, you consult with people, you do your research, you, you take your own measure of the companies that you interview with, for example. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to live with your own decisions. So I, I think being comfortable with your own judgments and decisions and knowing that you're not going to make perfect decisions that are risk-free and error-free is kind of cool. Second thing I would say is, you know, always think longer term. I used to remember one of the most important things for me was to be the most, to be promoted in the fastest time to partner ever. 
And, and uh, you know, I, I didn't get there. I loved it. There were people that got promoted faster. I didn't miss it by that much. But I've been a partner in a consulting firm for well over 20 years now. So what did an extra three months or six months really matter? Right. Mm-hmm. So don't give yourself false standards that, and expectations that really just create stress and don't create insight and don't create joy. You know, if you're doing what you love and loving what you do, that's the, the key to any career and any person's success, I think. Thank you for that. And on that note, uh, we'll be finishing today's conversation with Alex. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in there. Hopefully that final message resonated with you. And to any prospective listeners potentially eavesdropping into these uh, conversations, we'd be very happy to have you. We've been diversifying recently, getting more uh, C-suite level guests. So any of you are listening in and interested, feel free to reach out. We'd be very happy to have you. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Thank you again, Alex, for joining us. And thank you to the listeners.